The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are simply that, opinions. All are presumed innocent until proven otherwise in a court of law. Sensitive topics are discussed. Discretion is advised. Harmony Montgomery was a beautiful five-year-old girl with some special needs. This photograph was taken in 2019. That's the year she vanished. But it wasn't the year people started looking for her. That was 2021, two years later. That simple, tragic fact speaks volumes about Little Harmony's life. She was living with her father, Adam Montgomery, her stepmother, Kayla Montgomery, and her two younger half-brothers. Harmony's mother, Crystal Sorry, lost custody when she missed a court date. Crystal wasn't there because she had to appear at the same time in another courthouse for another one of her children. That's when Adam gained full custody, despite being a career criminal with drug problems and money problems. Then after getting evicted, Adam, Kayla, and the three young children ended up living in a car in the winter in New Hampshire. And this is where the story gets even more tragic. Harmony did not really vanish. She died. Prosecutors say she was beaten by Adam after she had accidents while living in that car. Adam says he did not do it. He just helped cover up the death of Harmony caused by Kayla. So now Adam is on trial as prosecutors try to prove that he's a child killer. Tonight we go in-depth into the latest evidence revealed in court. Then we take a closer look at what happened to Harmony's body after she died and where it was kept from a duffel bag to a cooler to a dropped ceiling as we continue our investigation into what happened to little Harmony Montgomery. I'm Benny Politan. Thank you for joining us tonight here on Closing Arguments. And let me begin this hour by saying this is going to be another night that is not going to be easy. What happened here um, is beyond what should happen to anyone, let alone a, a five-year-old girl with special needs. But we're going to go through the evidence. This is the trial for Harmony to get justice. She's not resting in peace, this little angel. Not resting in peace at all. Not just because of, of what happened leading up to her death and how she died, but what happened to her afterwards. And, and these detail, I, this is beyond, I mean beyond. We've, we've covered stories that are horrifying, but this little girl is not resting in peace because of what these people did. Let's start with Adam Montgomery. He admits to the cover-up, right? He admits to knowing that she died and admits to covering up that death. So... A lot of these facts that we're going to be going through tonight, I, I don't know if they're going to be um, contested necessarily. Because it's, it's, it, these are the things that are happening to her after she dies. So he's saying, I didn't commit the murder. But the stuff afterwards, okay, I know about that. And, and you have to ask yourself, when, when you hear the details of what was done with little Harmony's body and her remains after her death. Why would you do this? Stuff her in a duffel bag, stuff her in a tote bag. Do all these sick 
morbid actions that were done. Sick. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight. And that was part of the testimony. It's, it's, it's the story. And, and, you know, Adam Montgomery and Kayla Montgomery, uh, they have to live with themselves. But at the end of the day, to me, what you do to your little girl after she has died tells me a lot about what you thought about her before she died. So let's get you into the courtroom for some of this. Now, the family evicted, living in a car, all these problems. At some point, they moved into a families in transition, a fit shelter. Okay, this is, Harmony is dead, but she's not resting in peace. She's not buried. People didn't come to pay their respects. She was not treated with any sense of, of love. She was put in a ceiling vent. Take a listen. When you moved to the fit shelter, where was Harmony's body? Um, Adam put her... ceiling in the vent of the room that we stayed in. You could smell a horrible smell that was coming through the vents. Do you remember that horrible smell? Yes. Did maintenance come at some point while you were living there because of that smell? Yes. And what happened when those maintenance workers came? Adam took her back down from out of the ceiling. And, and brought the bag in the bathroom. And what happened when Adam brought Harmony down from the ceiling? starting to smell and there was fluid leaking. Court TV crime and justice correspondent Matt Johnson was in the courtroom all day and has the big moments for us tonight. Matt, great to see you. Um, a lot of information, testimony, evidence involving this fit shelter room ceiling. What can you tell us? Vinny, nice to see you as well. It was very interesting testimony. It was scientific and it was so, so important for this jury to hear. So most of it, again, centering around the Fit Family Shelter, the ceiling in the room that they had stayed in the panels that they slept under. Jurors first saw these pictures and then parts of the ceiling was brought into the courtroom 
and an evidence technician had to help with that. It was a big moment in court today. The jurors actually stood up, got out of their seats. They moved closer. They leaned over the railing of the jury box just to get a stronger and a bigger view of this key piece of evidence that they've heard so much about. Uh, the jury has heard so much testimony from Kayla about the ceiling and the prosecution's timeline of events. And then they were actually able to see that, that bit of ceiling and the stain for themselves. Moments like that in the courtroom, uh, to me, are, are the things that, that really a juror will take with them when they go into that uh, deliberation room. You know, seeing the evidence and when it's that large and it's that morbid in the courtroom, so, so powerful, so important. But when you think about why that stain is there, uh, it is so incredibly tragic and sad. Um, how about testimony regarding the smell? Yeah, you know, and to your point, it was a very somber day in court today. Not many people were whispering to one another. There was not exchange of glances. Everyone was just laser focused on what these witnesses had to say. And many of them were the detectives that went to this shelter, the Fit Family Shelter, not far from the courthouse. They went into that room and they said right away they could smell death. Take a listen. There was an interview that was conducted and information was obtained that maybe that the child was placed in that apartment for a period of time. You mentioned an interview being conducted. Was that with Kayla Montgomery? It was. As soon as I removed the cover, I knew I could smell what I, I know is, is decomposition. I knew I could smell a dead body. It's a smell that you just won't forget. And can you just tell the jurors what your experience is with that smell? I mean, I've been to many, <clears throat> many death scenes, many um, autopsies. I've, I've smelt it many times. Those stains turning out to be human blood. That's something that these jurors won't forget. And these witnesses, these professional police officer witnesses were telling the jury that they will never forget this case and what they experienced. And hearing that testimony about the smell, I've heard that before in other trials, particularly the Casey Anthony trial. Her trunk smelled that same smell. I think it was seven or 10 witnesses came into court, testified about it. Obviously in that case, the jury thought maybe it could have been pizza. Uh, hopefully in this case, the jury understands. And I think there's, there's a lot of evidence that will place the remains of, of Little Harmony in that ceiling. Um, now here's, this is important, right? Because a big part of the defense case is that, oh, it's not me, it's, it's Kayla, Kayla, Kayla. How does the jury know, or what will the prosecution argue, is the evidence that links Adam Montgomery to putting Little Harmony up in the ceiling? That's a good point because, again, the defense is pointing the finger at Kayla, but as for the fingerprints that they were talking about today, none of them are Kayla's. So we heard from several experts about 
how the items were removed from the ceiling, how they were tested, how it turned out to be blood. And then the other key takeaway evidence today was that the fingerprints on the ceiling that was removed from that shelter was Adams. Take a listen. It's a metal ceiling event and a section of drywall. Did you have an opportunity to analyze those items? Yes, I did. And based on your analysis, were you able to develop friction-rich details for those items? Uh, I was able to document friction-rich detail on MER 3D, which was a section of drywall with metal framing, as well as MER 3A, which was a ceiling vent. Were you able to identify the person that deposited that print? Yes, I was. And who, who was it that you identified? Adam Montgomery. And all of this evidence and this testimony, very key to the case, and uh, the state has been very methodical in, in making these points and presenting the evidence, but this really goes to the covering up of the crime. And Adam Montgomery is not disputing the fact of uh, falsifying evidence or abuse of a corpse, but the jury will still have to decide those. That's still on the jury form. Yeah, it's... It's an interesting place that they've kind of, uh, the way they've sort of couched this whole thing that uh, it was Kayla, I knew about it, but I didn't do it, but I did this. At the end of the day, I, I, I can't imagine a juror saying it's okay. And Adam Montgomery's still not in the courtroom, right? He hasn't shown up to the courtroom. Today was day six. Um, if you include the jury view, he's given the choice each and every day. He hasn't shown up to court, and I'm be also being told that he's going to have the choice on verdict day, on the reading of the verdict, if he wants to be there or not. Unreal. Unreal. But the case continues. Matt Johnson, I know it's freezing cold tonight up there in New Hampshire, so we appreciate your time tonight, and uh, stay warm. Thank you. Now, back to the Court TV podcast. Did you see him put Harmony in that duffel bag? Yes. How did he put her in there, Kayla? <laughs> he, like, folded her in half and put her in the duffel bag. Unreal. We're talking about a little girl, a little 35-pound girl, five years old with special needs, killed and then folded and put into a duffel bag. We're going to walk through um, what Adam and Kayla Montgomery did with Harmony after she passed away. Um, let's bring in our guests who are going to help us uh, through all of this. Joining us tonight in Michigan City, Indiana, private investigator and founder of Victim News Online, Erica Morris is with us. In Boston, Massachusetts, Boston 25 reporter Bob Ward. And in Jacksonville, Alabama, forensic death investigator, host of the Body Bags podcast and professor of forensics at Jacksonville State University, Joseph Scott Morgan. Uh, thank you, everyone, for being here. I'm going to walk through a timeline, location by location, and try to make some, some sense of this. Not makes, I don't know what it is. We're not really making sense of it because it doesn't make sense. Um, but try to understand what's going on and what's happening to Little Harmony through all of this. We begin on December 7th, 2019. Adam and Kayla discovered Harmony dead in the backseat of the car at the intersection of Webster and Elm. Matt Johnson, our reporter, was there the other night. Adam 
according to Kayla, places Harmony's body in a duffel bag. It's the middle of the day. They walk the bag back to the colonial village where they place it in a snowbank by the dumpster. And this is apparently the day that Harmony dies. Uh, Bob Ward, um, Matt Johnson was at that intersection. This is the middle of the day. You've got a yeah. dead child and we're going in the trunk getting a duffel bag and just like putting her in it? Yeah, the fatal attack happened just before that on their way to Burger King. Uh, they, the, the, uh, Adam and Kayla had gone to a methadone clinic. That's where they started the day. Uh, little Harmony has accidents in the back of the car. Adam loses it. They still go to Burger King. Then the fa the fatal after the fatal attack, they have their sandwich, they eat, and then the car breaks down in the middle of the road. And all of a sudden, they have a problem. Um, they have, well, they've got a bigger problem with, uh, with poor Harmony being dead in the car, but now the car breaks down. And um, I guess Harmony, what the testimony was that she was covered in bruises. So he kept her underneath a blanket in the back seat. And after this fatal attack, she was underneath the blanket. So when the car breaks down, um, help is going to arrive. So he reaches into the trunk, pulls out this duffel bag and goes back into the car and puts Harmony into that bag. And it then walks away and puts the, you know, it's all happened near the, the apartment complex and puts that body, the duffel bag, into that snowbank. And then the testimony is that over the next 20 minutes, Kayla and Adam got high. They were doing heroin and, and crack cocaine while Little Harmony is in that bag. Let's move one day forward to December 8th, 2019. Adam, Kayla, and the boys, remember there's two young children, younger than Harmony, are living in Anthony Bodero's blue Audi when the battery dies. The duffel bag with Harmony's remains goes in the trunk of Anthony Bodero's blue Audi while the car is being jumped. Erica Morse, this is really where, you know, these first two days, I, I can't imagine how anyone, whether you're on drugs or not, is able to like even do this. All right, we will take the body, we'll put it in the duffel bag. It's cold, it's New Hampshire, let's keep the body on ice. And that's what they're doing here. So we talk about how criminals aren't exactly the smartest bulbs in the bunch. And this is a prime example. This was, you know, I don't think it was a premeditated attack. He don't think he in, or intended to kill his daughter, even though he definitely abused her on multiple occasions. And when this occurred, this was just a panic. That this was just a fly by your seat, fly by the seat of their pants reaction, so to speak, with no thought put into this. There were two other children in the vehicles with them over the course of these two days, for God's sakes. And this wasn't even being hidden from Harmony's siblings. So, you know, not a lot of brain power being used on these thoughts and these decisions. Um, unfortunately, it is a series of just pathetic um, choices. And we now, as we learn about this, Vinny, it's heartbreaking. It is impossible for our logical minds to believe that this occurred. Um, and many of us who work in this field, we, we have the same. We have to remind ourselves that Harmony is no longer suffering. 
And the reason we have to say that is because that's how we can continue to actually do this work. Otherwise, we get caught up in those moments and, and it's too hard for us as well. Think about those law enforcement investigators on the ground, that, that gentleman that testified um, and the ones who responded and the ones who smelled that decay. Um, those are pictures and images and smells they cannot get um, out of their senses and out of their psyches. Those are the things that keep guys and gals up at night um, having nightmares. And so this this whole thing just, Vinny, I mean, I, I when I texted you about it last week when he stood up in court, I was so angry. I said, we knew it. We knew it for three years. Every single one of us said it. And this has just been a bag of lies. I want to move ahead now from December 8th to mid-December to the end of December of 2019. Under the porch at Kayla's aunt's apartment on South Main Street, Kayla, Adam, and the two boys go to Kimberly Simmons, the aunt's home. Adam puts the duffel bag with Harmony's remains under the porch. Joseph Scott Morgan, we're now talking about she dies on the 7th. She's placed in a snowbank, goes into a trunk, snowbank. Now in December, they're moving and they're putting her under the porch. Um, we're in New Hampshire. What's, what's happening to Harmony's remains during this time? It's a slow movement in decomposition because the cool air, uh, the ambient environmental temperature does retard the process as opposed to, let's say this had been in middle Florida uh, you had mentioned uh, the Anthony case a little while ago, uh, that heat speeds everything up. And so the idea that this would be in a cooler environment, however, there, he's really taking a risk here because when you place, uh, place this bag containing this precious little angel's remains uh, in this environment, they're out of your control at that point in time, you know, placing them beneath the staircase like that anybody could find her. And so it gives you an idea about the state of mind of this individual relative to how these remains are being treated. She is still, and I'm gonna be very blunt, she is still decomposing. It's just at a slower rate. It's not until you remove her completely from the protection of the cool and remove her remains from them, do you get this acceleration in this process of decomposition. Would you suspect the smell that everyone's talking about to be present at this point or not yet? If you had opened that bag, yes, most definitely. There would have been an odor. And here's the thing that I'm kind of curious about, and of course we'll never know the answer to this question. The liquid that we'll find out about uh, relative to the staining, I don't know if that liquid is resulting, or they're calling it blood, I don't know if that is what we refer to as purge fluid that comes from a decomposing remain or if that's trauma related in some way where he had traumatized her to the point where she had a laceration perhaps and was bleeding from it. I do know this. He had beat her multiple times, Finn, and that last attack on her, I'm, I am convinced it was the coup de grace it pushed her little body over the edge it would not surprise me that she had already had some blood vessels perhaps in her brain that were already ruptured. And that last blow that he struck as he lashed out at this precious darling was probably the thing that finally killed her in the end.
Let's uh, track some more of the movements of, of Harmony's body. Again, mid-December to the end of December of 2019 is the time frame here. Christina Lubin's minivan, Kayla's mom, picks Adam, Kayla, and the two boys up in her minivan, uh, and the duffel bag goes with them. Christina Lubin's home. The duffel bag is placed outside near the side entrance of the building near the trash. The duffel bag with Harmony's body is placed in the red cooler where it remains for a few weeks. And Bob, as we see what they're doing here, like they are now showing up at relatives' homes, whether it's the right. aunt or the mom, minus one child. That's right, and they needed a place to live. They were living in that car because they were evicted out of a, a home on the other side of Manchester, and they ended up over there at Kayla's mom's house. And I think the testimony was that uh, they saw the cooler there in the hallway, and that's what gave them the idea to take the, the take the body out of the duffel bag and put her into that cooler. And then that cooler is in this common area of this triple-decker uh, for weeks while they're staying over there. I did interview uh, from a distance the mother, and she told me about a visit in Thanksgiving time, when the last time that she saw Harmony, and they were looking for a place to stay. And then the, the, the Kayla's mother said when they came back, Harmony was gone, but Adam and Kayla had told her that Kayla, um, Harmony was now with her natural mother in Massachusetts. So that's where that lie starts. Uh, the first time I'm, I understand that lie is told to anyone is when they go back to that house on the west side. But Harmony is there. She's in that cooler in the hallway. And anybody in that triple-decker who lives there could walk right by it as they're coming down the stairs and going outside. And Erica Morris, we're talking about these lies, right? Y you know, you have children, you visit relatives, they want to see the kids. They want to see the kids, but in this case, because um, Harmony was the stepdaughter of Kayla, they had the easy out to say, oh yeah, she's with, she's with Crystal, she's with mom now. And, and, and that, that is part of the tragedy here, because a child is gone, a child is missing, and in this story, this case, it's two years before the search begins. Lady. Aside from the fact that you have a, unfortunately at this time, a non-custodial parent asking questions, because mom was asking questions during this time period, but she was being ignored because she had lost custody. She had to deal with some things, but as I understand it, she worked a family service plan and she got back on track. Um, we've talked about this multiple times. If it were not for that FSSA worker, Vinny, I don't know how much longer this would have gone on. That um, food stamp worker who began asking questions about Harmony's whereabouts, why she wasn't placed in school, why nobody could account for her um, when they were receiving state benefits for her. It was that social worker, that caseworker's first inquiry that really launched this entire thing. And then to top it all off, you. I will always say this, Finney, your coverage specifically of Harmony's case, in my opinion, made a, all the difference in the world. I, I think I counted back in my notebooks nine or ten different appearances that we've done alone, not counting the ones you've done with other folks. You kept this story going, Vinny, and I need you to know that. Thank you. Um, You're welcome. Right now, it's time to get justice. The trial's begun. Uh, our guests are staying with us. When we come back, we will continue retracing what happened to Little Harmony.
back to the Court TV podcast. Adam put her... in the ceiling in the vent of the room that we stayed in. This, uh, this is now, we're at the point here where um, she's taken out from the cold, put in this ceiling vent, and, and that's when the smells begin and everything else. We're tracing what Kayla and Adam Montgomery did with little harmony um, after she was killed uh, inside that car. So take a look at the movements of bodies still with us. Erica Morris, Bob Ward, and Joseph Scott Morgan. Okay, we're continuing this, this morbid journey. Uh, let's go to December 30th to mid-February of 2020. So, you know, it's a couple months here. Um, first at the fit shelter, the families in transition shelter, Harmony's body placed in the ceiling vent. When the maintenance workers come to investigate the smell of Harmony's body, um, she is then moved uh, to the bathroom. Harmony's remains are transferred from the duffel bag now to garbage bags, which are placed inside the CMC uh, diaper bag. Harmony's remains are put back then into the ceiling vent. Now they've got a body that's decomposing. The smell, the neighbors can tell they, they need to do something. And, and apparently uh, Kayla puts the remains in a stroller, goes down to the Portland Pie Company where Adam works. And uh, the Harmony's remains are put in the freezer during some of Adam's shifts at the pie company, which is a, a pizza parlor. So it's the freezer where they keep the food. He's bringing his daughter to work, her body, and putting it in the freezer at work. Bob Ward, um, these details, excruciating, and we can't forget that they basically get away with it for two years. like. Yeah, they sure They did. don't get caught doing any of this. No. no, and they had to take, when they put her body into that that smaller bag, they held that bag up, well, a bag just like it in court. There it is. It's a small bag. It's a like a diaper bag, a tote bag, a, you know, something you get at Barnes & Noble. That's the size of it. So that's what 35-pound Harmony Montgomery is in. And the... The idea is that they walked that with, and she, you know, Kayla had her stroller and her other two kids and that bag and would walk that, walk all the way through Manchester down to the Portland Pie. And that's how Harmony was getting in and out and how Adam, that, that's where that Chase Bank is there on the screen. That was the Portland Pie Company back uh, when all this took place. And he would go to work and he would, I think he was a dishwasher there. It put the body in there in the, in the freezer to stop the decomp. And I guess at the end of the shift, I'm not clear on this, but at the end of the shift, he would take the bag with him. So he, he tried not to be too far away from the bag. And I guess in his mind, that would stop the leaking in the ceiling back at the fit shelter. All right, Joseph Scott Morgan, let's talk about the leaking in the ceiling. And then I guess the apparent refreezing of Harmony. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, a few moments ago, Ben, uh, 
I mentioned this idea of, of retarding the process of, of decomposition through cool. Let's back up just a second and think about what this ghoul has done with this precious little angel. He's placed her in a vent, HVAC, right? And it's New Hampshire. Let that sink in. And what do you need in order to be comfortable up there? You need warmth, you need heat. So we've gone from the slowing the process down to now you're accelerating the process if in fact heat is traveling through there. And even if you don't have direct contact with heat, say for, for instance, in some kind of duct work, heat rises in all locations. We know that it's part of physical science. We learned that in the eighth grade. And so now she's subject to that. So that area above the apartment is hotter or warmer than that area below. And so you're going to get the staining that comes about as the body continues to, if it's frozen, it will thaw. That creates leakage. And not to mention at a molecular level, you've got cytoplasm and these cells that are breaking down. And that's where this leakage comes from. We call it purge fluid. And it's staining everything. And, and you know, the police officer's right. You could see this in his eyes, uh, Vin. For those of us that have worked in these environments for so many years, it, nothing ever numbs you to it. And you recognize that smell. You don't have empirical data to say that that is, in fact, a human body. But when you have been around so many and you smell that smell, it's something that haunts you and it stays with you. It still stays with me to this day. I can never escape it. Just like the gentleman that was on, on, the, uh, on the stand a few moments ago. So that really echoes, it resonates with me what he was describing up there when they opened that ceiling, they were able to take that panel out. Erica Morris, I'm still trying to understand Kayla Montgomery in all of this. And, you know, taking the stroll down Main Street in Manchester with two little ones and then the little bag with Harmony's remains to bring them down, bring her down to work. Um, I, 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 I still don't understand. I don't, I don't understand where that comes from. And as much as she's in such an important witness for the prosecution, this is someone whose actions are in, in step with Adam at this point. I'm torn right now and have been for a while on Kayla. Um, first of all, she got a sweet deal, very sweet deal out of this whole situation. Um, probably not appropriate given what we're learning now. Kayla, very young, very immature, um, very high. And, and, you know, I think I was talking with one of your producers. It was, I think it was um, fentanyl, heroin, and crack that they have admitted to using. That's a pretty hefty combination, and that'll fry a person's brain. Um, but aside from that, I also question if there's some DV going on here because easily influenced, easily um, maybe controlled or manipulated, um, maybe saw Adam for what he was not. Um, but I just have to question her mental state as a whole. As a mother, there is, there's just nothing that you could ever do to put me in that position, plain and simple. Um, 
Yes, she's a young mother. Yes, she's immature. I don't, I just don't get it. Like, I go back and forth. Is this domestic violence? Is this her acquiescing? Is this her playing along? Because I don't think she's the one who did it. I, I don't. I think she participated in the cover-up extensively, but yeah. I don't think that she's I, I agree. responsible. I agree with you. Let's move now to the end of February of 2020 to 644 Union Street apartment. Harmony's remains kept in the refrigerator, thawed in the bathtub, placed in a bag of lime, the bag placed back in the freezer. Here's Kayla Montgomery on the stand talking about this. Adam was trying to dethaw her body. When you say Adam was trying to dethaw her body, what was he doing specifically? Taking the clothes off of her. And putting her in the bag of lime. And when he was trying to dethaw her body, where was Harmony's body at the time? In the bathtub. And that's when you saw the bag of lime? Yes. Did you see Harmony's body in the bathtub? Yes. I want you to tell the jurors what you saw of her body in that bathtub. I saw Harmony in the bathtub, still folded together the same way that she was left in the bag when he took her out of the car. And she just looked like she had just barely any skin, like she was just a layer of skin and bone. And she was all bruised up. There they are taking the refrigerator out. Uh, Bob Ward, this is the apartment that you're in, correct? That's right. Uh, the day after that refrigerator came out, the day after the search, uh, I went up there and I, the tenant let me in the apartment. And those are the pictures from my story that I produced. Then it's a tiny apartment, a tiny one-bedroom apartment. And I wanted to see what the FBI, what the Manchester police took out of there. And you can see the floorboards and the various items that they took out. Where the refrigerator is on the back wall, that is where the bathroom is. We didn't have time to get a picture of that, um, but that was where the bathroom was. And the bathroom is absolutely tiny. And, uh, you know, she, that testimony that Kayla gave was the mo among the most ghoulish things I've ever heard. She said this process of him trying to break down Harmony's body took hours, um, that he, he talked about getting a saw to help, uh, help with this. You know, they also talked about getting a neutral bullet blender to try to help with decomp. There's the there's the police picture of that bathroom. It is absolutely tiny, just enough room on the side for the bathtub, the toilet. And uh, he was running the water, this, getting steam in that bathroom just to steam it up to try to help with just dismembering Little Harmony's body. And this went on for hours. Let's get to the... Uh Final thing we know from spring of, of 2020, um, there's a mini fridge 
in a Manchester Econo Lodge. Uh, apparently that's where the bag or Harmony was placed in this mini fridge. And then Adam leaves with the remains in a U-Haul truck that's rented by someone else uh, at the Econo Lodge. Uh, Joseph Scott Morgan, we have about uh, a minute left here. Um, a bag of lime. What's that? Is that going to do anything? Yeah, it can. It goes to, but also just from a legal standpoint, uh, uh, Vinny, this goes to state of mind on his part, I think. I don't want to step over in your territory, but he's prepping for this. He understands at least basically that with lime, it's going to mask the smell. And some people will say that it uh, speeds up the process of, you know, decomposition of biological substances. And so that's what he has purposed to do, Benny. And I think that this whole thing centers around his idea of, you know, he's, he's, he's been fighting with this idea of being separated from the body because if he has the body, he has control over the body. He has to get somewhere like water to deposit her remains. And I think that's probably what happened. And as we know, the remains still have not been found. He obviously knows the answer, but has not revealed it. Um, Bob Ward, Erica Morris, Joseph Scott Morgan, thank you so much for helping us through this very, very difficult uh, testimony and evidence, but it's all part of the journey uh, for justice for Harmony Montgomery. Thank you so much. If you want to see more in-depth reporting on the latest true crime stories, you can see me every weeknight, 8 p.m. Eastern on Closing Arguments. Thank you so much for downloading. And as always, please don't forget to hug the kids. This podcast is a production of Court TV. Go to CourtTV.com for more content, trials on demand, and to find out how to watch Court TV in your area.